Hi, welcome along to this week's FSF podcast, where today, uh, myself and Jack, we're going to be talking um, and looking back at some of our previous guests um, who have joined us over the last year. Um, we're going to be talking about CPD and mentoring um, and going over a few of the topics that have been covered by that. Um, so I just wanted to sort of ask you, Jack, very quickly, I mean, as a teacher, what CPD can you remember experiencing over the years? Um, so I remember in my NQT year, I got sent on one and throughout my career only one what you'd call like a formal CPD course maybe where I actually went off-site you know to a different place it was led by a, a tutor there was other people from other schools there and it was on a specific topic I think I went to one of those it was on maths mastery and it was like half a day with the other NQT colleague of mine and then we came back to school after after it was done and just carried on all the other CPD, I think uh, it, it was kind of in a less formal way than that. So it was through staff meetings or it was through reading material provided um, and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember my NQT, um, I think our local authority at the time did quite a few NQT courses. I remember we went on a PE one. Um, which was hilarious um, and it's just like teaching us how to do sort of primary pre, uh, PE lessons and things like that which was it was really beneficial and I was able to take that back into what I did at, in class as well with my my own class um, but and over the years I did get to go on quite a few courses um, sort of in the area and some some were put on by the local authority some were done by um private speakers like um alistair bryce clegg uh, i remember going to his mm -hmm. and i felt that i always did get quite a lot out of those sort of courses and everything and they helped me with my own development and everything um but there's also the staff meetings um we had a weekly staff meeting and some weeks you know you you felt why am I here and then other <laughs> and then other weeks it was like really really beneficial and I think that's to me is such an important thing that a staff meeting has to be beneficial to everyone who's there mm. um and the same with inset days you know inset days are a time when you can make the most of that time um and getting people in to support everyone or a group of people and making the most of that time is is really important yeah i think um, yeah i think staff meetings and inside days especially because they're two of those they're kind of like timetable blocked out you mm. have to do them everyone goes to them um but they are woefully underutilized i think in my yeah. you know a lot I, of them could have just you know we've all heard that this meeting could have been an email line i think mm. a lot of staff meetings could have been that yeah, they're a, they're a missed opportunity when it comes mm. to CPD. And I think one, some of the most powerful ones I I had was um, sort of moderation type ones. Yeah, yeah, where a few year groups would get together and moderate, or a really good one was where we would get. Um, so if it was a writing moderation, for instance, every year group would put a selection of writing out, um, and in the hall, and we just lay it on the floor. And then we'd create sort of a timeline of the writing as it went through the school. Mm. 
Um, and that was really, really good because as a teacher, I could see sort of the progression of writing. Yeah. Um, and for those who taught sort of the older year groups, they could see where the children were coming from and things like that. So events like that were really, really good. Like staff meetings like that were really, really good and beneficial. And I think that's, that is the thing to make, as you say, it's to make sure that it is a valid reason for getting together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think um, we, we previously spoke to Jenny Barber um, about this. So I think we're just going to listen to a quick clip of her now. Yeah. And there's lots of different things that you can do, really, that don't cost anything. That's always good, it isn't, isn't it? Perfect, yeah. Um, so I think one of the things is like we were just saying about having those tools for reflection and reflective practice and how you kind of embed that in the setting. Um, but, you know, we were talking before about not feeling isolated and seeing, you know, other settings. And one of the things I always used to say to people is, you know, try and try and go and see other settings and what they're doing. Obviously, that's not possible at the moment. But I've been thinking about it, thinking, well, actually, a lot of settings are doing virtual tours, you know, for parents. And, and many of them are being shared maybe on, on some of the forums and groups online or on their websites. And actually that in a way is a form of CPD because you can look at those and you can look at other settings, environments, look at how they've set things out and ideas that they have. Um, so that, you know, and that can be part of a discussion. Also, um, I mean, I set up this summer um, an Instagram account purely for, for work. Oh, I love it. I mean, it's great. It's quite time consuming. <laughs> interesting looking at the different things that settings are doing, different ideas. And again, that can be something as well that can be, you know, for sharing and perhaps, and also then what you get from that is you get dialogue between settings as well. So it, then it becomes a kind of supportive process. Um, and then internally, you've obviously got the, observations that managers and leaders will do of staff and that's an important part of CPD because after that it's that professional discussion that would take place after that observation so that then you know it's looking at what what happened you know what they both felt about that and where you might go next and 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 developing in that way and I know some settings also do peer-on-peer -peer observations as well um, and then staff meetings too, using staff meetings to build a little bit of CPD in there, maybe different people sharing knowledge or experience or doing bits of research and sharing that. And I know a lot of settings have also set up like CPD libraries. I was in a setting a couple of weeks ago um, <clears throat> and they had a really good one with lots of books and notes from different training courses that people had been on. And I said to the manager, I said, you know, do the staff use it? She, yeah, they do. She said, particularly the apprentices use it. And I said, you kind of want to almost have a, kind of have a log. So when somebody's accessed something from it and then looking at, what they then gathered from that and how it impacted on their practice. So I think <clears throat> if the budget is tight, don't think that you can't do CPD because you can in a variety of different ways. It doesn't just have to be training. Um, it's, it's kind of like, it's really sort of being creative and kind of thinking outside the box, I guess, really, isn't it? And just looking yeah. at things. I think it does it does just have that connotation CPD of um oh it's a course and I have to pay hundreds of pounds yeah, for it and yeah, they have to leave yeah. so I have to get cover and all yeah, of that and yeah. suddenly the, the figures mount up and up and up and you just think mm. I can't do it but actually there are other things that you can other ways of doing it, other things you can do 
Um, yeah. Definitely. And also, I think that if you look around, I think that there is training that would perhaps be more accessible as well online too. It's just keeping your options open, I think, and looking, searching. Yeah. I, I used to love the, the staff library at school. Um, yeah. Where, as you said, there's just so many different books that have been bought over the years and they were just there for you to access. So, and I mm. think having that log actually would then, I think that would have helped me because then I know who I can go and discuss it with. Yes, um, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Who else has looked at this? And actually, I wonder what they thought about it. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of the things with the books and stuff is that, particularly when it's, you know, theoretical or around development or those kinds of things none of that ever goes out of date. Mm. So it's, it doesn't matter if, you know, they were bought a few years ago because there will still be things in it that will be pertinent and relevant. Mm. <laughs> One of my favourite things I actually did when I was a teacher, which I didn't actually think of was CPD, but now just going off what you said it was, was um, learning walks. Yeah. And I was, as uh, an NQT, I was told to do them, you know, mm. fairly regularly during my um, NQT time and things. And then I, I kind of thought, you know, why would I stop ever doing that? Uh, coming out of my NQT, obviously the only factor was the the cover. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, PPA time because it, ne- it never loses relevance going around no, it and doesn't and you, and it, yeah your peers do what they do best you know you've got a whole setting of experienced people there with different levels mm. of experience mm. so you know that's one i think one of the most effective ways of doing it I suppose. yeah definitely and that and that precipitates reflection as well so it's all it's all valuable it's looking i think you have to look internally and you have to look externally as well and maybe the external might look a little bit different at the moment but there are still things that you can do but as you say draw on what you've got internally too to support each other for sure yeah and sticking you know as you say the peer-to-peer one was really good for me um we used to do learning walks in our staff meeting time actually um, at our oh. schools, but that was more for environment and yeah sort of, um lo- looking at how things looked in books and things like that um but i know that peer assessments were or peer observations were really useful during the day when you got to see how each other sort of tackled something and um i know that i I worked with one teacher and our classrooms were next to each other with joining doors and quite often we would just open the door and say oh how are you doing this (laughs) you know yeah help yeah and it it just worked so well for us Um, we did a team teaching as well sometimes actually which was a really interesting one it can get it kind of i remember when they posed the idea it felt a bit daunting yeah because i was still quite early on in my career and obviously my year group partner was a very experienced teacher and it's like oh you're going to teach this lesson together and i thought are we because <laughs> it doesn't sound like i'm going to but um it was actually a fantastic experience because actually working with them at that time is different from sort of being at the back of the class and doing the observation mm. kind of thing yeah and it gives you a whole different view of it so i guess that's another another way they can do yeah because i would think that kind of like in that situation working with them you almost would learn more in a way because you're probably getting an insight and an understanding as to why they approach something in a certain way and why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 yeah Cause I mean, when I, when our school sort of brought in talk for writing, um, I was teaching the reception and we didn't really cover talk for writing so much. So I never really got to use it in, in my everyday teaching. And then when I um, moved to year one, it, it was something that I obviously had to do. And 
often I would sort of, especially for the initial stage of talk writing, I would take my whole class into the classroom next door and we would teach together all 60 children. Um, and they loved it. And I got so much confidence from doing that. Mm. Um, so because I could see how she was doing it and yeah afterwards she would tell me yeah what you were doing don't do that again (laughs) (laughs) which is valuable feedback (laughs) (laughs) so I think um Jenny in that clip kind of just discusses what uh, some of what we just talked about there um such as staff meetings and making them purposeful and the fact that they're actually a really great way of doing that kind of thing um, and that they are sometimes a missed opportunity for CPD because there's so much um, expertise mm. in your school and your wider community even um, that is often free to use because you're, you're all there anyway. And you know, Jenny talked a lot about how uh, you have to you have to look at avenues for free CPD now because mm. those courses, the one that I mentioned at the start. They're, they're few and far between now. And I don't think, you know, NQTs listening to this now might not have been on one yet. No. And might not go on one because they're just, the funding issue is, is the problem. So free CPD has become a massive thing now. You know, social media is is an avenue for that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, she mentioned as well about having a log of people's CPD so you can go and talk to each other and everything. And I remember, um, I think it was when I was doing my MPQSL we there was a lot of reading that was needed and there was a there was a group of us in the school who were doing this course and we could go to the school library and borrow the books that were in the reading but there was also a log of who had read it so then you could then go and talk to that person about the chapter you'd maybe read and everything like that so it that was a, a really nice thing for us to be able to do to to share our thoughts um and just yeah discuss what what the course content was and everything where normally I, I, f- I find that, you know, you go on a course and you don't always have that opportunity to then share it with everyone else. Um, you know, it might, it might change your own practice, but unless you get a chance to um, sort of share it with the rest of your team or the rest of the school, as you say, there's not much free CPD out there anymore. So it's quite an expensive way to train one person if you don't give them the opportunity to share it. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, yeah, that's another thing that is a really important thing is to make sure that you do have a, that chance to discuss and debrief, if you want, um, any course content and how, you're go- how it's going to impact your own practice after that. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people forget what the C is in CPD, that it, you know, it, it needs to be continuous and it needs to be mm. revisited and it needs to, you need to give it a chance to percolate among the staff and for people to reflect on it and, and things like that. And it, and you, I, I, it's too many times I think has happened is that someone goes sent on a course, as you say, they might not have a chance even to feedback, but they, they probably definitely don't get a chance to revisit or, you know, given proper time to reflect on it or, or things like that. And I think that's the kind of stuff which makes, which some people complain that this CPD wasn't worthwhile is because they don't get opportunities to do that. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're going to listen to um, Alison Krill now um, when she joined us previously, just talking about how everyone is important. Um, and then 
finding a way so you know in the schools where everybody knows they feel they're accepted for who they are and that they're going to be included in everything um, and they're going to have every kind of opportunity to participate in whole school life you know there are some places where you can't get to do things unless you've completed all of your work or your grades are right so often the, the kids who who can contribute most to all of these sort of external factors which aren't measured um, are the ones who don't get to go because maybe they have to catch up lessons and all those sorts of things, which means we never ever get to see the best of those children. We see their mediocre results, but they often the creatives who go out and do incredible things with their lives. Um, and it's the same with the teachers. Sometimes I, I, always, I was always really interested in the teachers who, um, who were quietly being the glue in the staff room and holding people together. And they may not have been the ones who really shone in the classroom. You know, the ones who always would get the outstanding lesson. Um, they'd often be the ones who would be there just being the glue because they understood about connection and um, understood um, they, they, they wanted to see whole people, they were interested in individual values and, and, and what people, what people brought. Um, and people want to be listened to and to be seen and to know that they've got a voice. And not the voice where others speak on your behalf, but where you know your voice counts. So in a school that's got all of those things in place, those are the schools where they will be interested in individuals and understand that we can have our own visions which can be aligned to the visions of the school um, and will be interested in what those visions are and will also be interested in how those visions can impact on the school so that the school is an even better environment the school's even richer because of what you bring um, th those are the best schools and um, and uh, I think that it is really, really important for senior leaders to seek to seek that out in anyone working, uh, well, anybody in their school community, knowing and understanding the vision and and um, and the values that each of those people bring, but also thinking about how best to weave that so that it becomes a part of the school. Um, and the more that the more that schools do that the stronger the school becomes, the stronger the school becomes, the better the outcomes. Listening to you say that, <clears throat> excuse me, Alison, listening to you say that really made me think about the fact that within a successful school, everybody has a role. So that bit that you described about, you know, that there's the teacher who perhaps, you know, has the outstanding lessons and then, and then there are those teachers or perhaps even other members of the school that are the support staff or, you know, who, who, are the glue that holds it. Everybody has this a role to play in a successful school and in a successful school community. Yeah. I just want to do one proviso. There's just one proviso. I don't want anybody to think that outstanding teachers don't <laughs> have good values and don't do those things. Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes the determination to be outstanding can get in the way of seeing um, and um, I mean there, there are amazing people who can 
can do it all. Um, but there are some people who might feel less visible because they're not the outstanding teacher because they don't recognise the gift that they bring to the, to the school. So I think Alison um, sort of raises some really important parts there about how everyone is important. But I mean, if you think as a teacher on the beginning of their teaching career at NQT, I mean, did how valued did you feel as part of the whole school community um, and how much of a voice do you think that NQTs do actually have? Mm. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, teachers, are like especially NQTs, are employed. You know, it's always said, oh, you're employed to bring fresh ideas and all that. And it's, are they ever actually or routinely listened to and have those ideas shared or is it just classroom level? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really good point. I think, uh, I, I think that um, feeling of, I guess, I guess validity of your voice definitely comes with experience. I think, I don't, I don't think I felt like that in my NQT year. Like I could go into a staff room and get up and say, right, this is how I do things, you know, isn't it great? Because, you know, you're talking to maybe some teachers with 30 years experience and it just doesn't feel right. But but it, it shouldn't be like that, I think, was Alison, Alison's point, is that in a school you have, in a school, and like I was saying before, the, the whole community around the school, you have so many people with so many different views on life and experiences and strengths and weaknesses and and how many of those go under the radar because of, of those kind of feelings i think yeah and i think yeah as you're right i think um everyone has those skills you know a skill in something but sometimes there's there's that confidence to stand up and as you say as an nqt or a, a new member of staff it's hard to sort of stand up and say this is how i've been doing it or you know this is my thought on it um and it's but it's that whole importance of supporting each other as well um you know and supporting every member of staff there so even those who have been teaching for 30 years still need support yeah you know and that's that's something to well well worth remembering i think well yeah that's a really good point and and, it, and it's i think I'll, I'll come on to this bit in a minute after after ria's clip because she talks a bit more about it but it's um it's uh education such a such a shifting platform all the time you know we're seeing it right now obviously with the eyfs reforms and things like that um but the learning can never stop no matter how long you're in the job for you know mm. and it's quite easy for for um practice and knowledge to kind of stagnate i think yeah and and to not want to take on new things that may be coming in because you think oh it's just a waste of time but as you say it's if everyone's supported then that that can actually happen and be a success. Um, and you mentioned yeah, Ria's um, podcast um, about mentoring. And we're just going to listen to a clip where she talks about the Black Teachers Connect scheme. So our curriculum lead, Mary, is focusing on curating our mentorship scheme. It's a 12-month program essentially associated and focusing on giving 
black teachers knew or early on in their career the support and resources necessary to give them that boost throughout their career so when i talk about mentors i think it's very important for people to understand when you're training to teach and when you're in your first year of teaching you tend to have a mentor sometimes what i found through the research i've done and through speaking to black teachers is there can be very difficult relationships with mentors especially when it's a black teacher and the mentor doesn't really understand that teacher and I've always encouraged my teachers to have a mentor outside of the classroom it is so important to see excellence of yourself I mentored even though I'm not in a training yet I'm mentored by two black women who have both been head teachers both been senior leaders and they can both give me that vision and help me be the best that I can be. So our mentoring scheme is focusing on giving black teachers, black mentors who can support them in their first or early years of teaching by giving them the right direction, the right vision and curating them into what we call excellence allowing them to be the best of the best and sometimes you can only do that with seeing someone just like yourself if we have never seen a black head teacher we may, ne may never think we can be a black head teacher but we've seen that but our mentoring scheme relies on other black teachers giving up their time for mentors and that's something that can be very difficult because we know the education system is very taxing on our teachers so it's we're really just hoping that people are willing to give their time for it we've released it we've had a lot of interest but we're just hoping that we can get more people on board but it's so important you know a mentor can change your life they can change your outlook on things um, and they can make you realize your potential and we want black teachers to recognize that we know that black teachers leave their they don't even do the NQT year sometimes, but they will leave the teaching career within five years a lot more earlier in comparison to their white counterparts. This mentoring scheme is a part of our focus on the retention of black teachers, keeping you here, keeping you grounded and recognizing that you are wanted and that you are needed in the education system. So, I mean, it, as a, an NQT, you obviously have your mentor and... Yeah. I think that that's really, been, you know, if you get a great mentor, you're really lucky. You get that support you need. You get that experience. You get that time and everything. I know that not all NQT mentors are as supportive. Um, but I think if you get the school right and the mentor right, then it's, it's a fantastic opportunity for the NQT. Mm. And it's do we carry that on once you leave your NQT? Yeah. You know, that, that mentoring, I think is so beneficial. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's, I think this kind of, I don't know whether this was a, a policy change, official policy change or something that happened in my school, but there was definitely discussions around when I was an NQT about how that support, it really, it drops off when, when you're in your second year, you know, you get signed off and then, your mentor is never to be seen again yeah. <laughs> into the wind. Um, but there was definitely discussion about how that shouldn't, shouldn't happen. And that the, the support should just should carry on, you know, into the second year, if not beyond that, you know, which was definitely a, a positive, mm. um, positive discussions that were happening, but you're right. Mentor mentoring is, is so important. It's like, you know, we're teaching children, but as you said before, the teachers, teachers still need to learn. Mm. And and who do they learn from? Well, they learn from other teachers and it, it, it becomes a big cycle, you know, and yeah. that cycle is, 
important for, mm. for keeping everyone moving, keeping everyone informed, keeping everyone passionate for the job, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I worked for an academy trust where um, after your NQT year, you then became an RQT, recently qualified teacher. Oh, yeah. And they still put in things for RQTs, um, which I thought was a really you know, real big positive for them. Mm -hmm. And I know that it was a benefit to those uh, teachers who were RQTs and it, you might not have your NQT time, but it's still having that time to talk to other RQTs who are going through the same as what you are going experiencing and everything like that. Um, And the other thing we did as well was we tried buddy teaching system where you could buddy up um, and go and absor- not observe but sort of support each other by having your buddy teacher get some time out of class and come and watch you teach and then talk about the lesson mm-hmm. and I found that by having it as a buddy so it was someone you could choose to to have as a buddy and it was never sort of confrontational it was always a supportive discussion mm-hmm. and I think that again was a a really nice thing to be able to do um just because they would spot things that maybe you'd missed yeah Um, and we all know that being observed isn't the nicest thing you know (laughs) and your mind always goes blank when you're being observed or something happens when you're being observed and it but when it's a buddy and you know that it's not going to come back to you know this is how i'm judging you as a teacher but actually it's going to lead to a discussion that will help you improve your teaching then i think if the level of support there is is right i think that's um you know that's just a benefit to everyone absolutely i'm glad you mentioned um teacher observations because that i think a lot lot of schools can fall into the habit of thinking this is the this is the cpd you know Mm. and um I'm very much in the camp of it's not at all. <laughs> and, right. and I would argue it's not beneficial to anyone, that, right. that kind of format. Um, as you say, it's it's too pressure-filled. It's too removed from reality. Um, mm. that, that, that's a discussion for another day, Ben. But um, yeah. we did a similar thing, you know, buddy teaching. We did like team teaching where we'd even teach the same lesson together with our year group partner because we were too okay. Um, Which was actually really nice because then you, you got to see... Um, how that because you never if you're in a two-form entry school you never actually see how your year group partner teaches no. because you um you're always teaching at the same time yeah. um but when you do a when you do that kind of thing when you buddy teach it's, it's super interesting to see how mm. they respond and and you actually get to go into each other's classes and how they respond to your children how you respond to their children and things like it's just little little things like that can do so much for um cpd reasons i think is, is just improving your own practice um yeah, stuff like learning walks fall, falls into that. I used to love mm. doing those. Did a lot of those in my NQT year, where you just go around, hop into people's classrooms, and just obviously in a very you know non-judgmental way, just going in and, and seeing what's yeah. happening. Yeah, and I think learning walks is another thing that people sort of like. Oh no, not a learning walk. You know, what are they looking? You know, looking make sure everything's backed properly, and you know, and that that isn't beneficial. But as you say, just having that learning that that opportunity to just pop in and just quickly see how someone's teaching and stuff like that. And just picking up little skills that, you know, maybe it's behavior management things. Um, Maybe it's how they get them to start a task and things like that. 
just seeing other teachers do that is so important in your own development yeah um, and I know I used to pick up so many little tips and tricks by like doing that and like, oh yeah it's, it's quite handy that <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know we we also talked to Manny earlier this year or last year actually um about um mentoring students um so I think we're just going to take a quick listen to what he talks about there yeah I mean um it's massively important. I always kind of go back to my own personal experience. I had nothing like that when I was younger. Um, I think the first thing is that work experience isn't really a priority like it used to be. So when I was um, in school, um, it wasn't that long ago, maybe like 14, 15 years ago, work experience wasn't, was, was like, you, it was compulsory. We did it for mm-hmm. two weeks. Many schools now, including the school that I work in, it's not, it's not a priority. So I think that first, of, first and foremost is quite important that we do because um, the school don't do it. So it's, it's good that we can do it on their behalf. And I think secondly, it's good for them to see people who look like them within the working world because um, I always have this, this, this saying that really resonates with me whenever, it, whenever someone brings it up and it's that, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And yeah. for many of these young people in the environments that they've, they've been raised in, it's through no fault of their own, some of them, the circumstances and situations that, they've, that, they're, that they're in and that they've had to be raised in. And so for many of them, they may be the first ones to maybe obtain a certain amount of GCSEs or to go to college or to go to university. They may not have parents who are in the professional uh, you know, line of work in that sense. So I think it's very difficult to be aspirational for things that you don't think are obtainable or achievable or that you do not see. And so I think it's it's really important for us to show them that actually you are, you have everything that you need to be in this position. The only thing that's really stopping you, one, is the education, which is which is which is still important and key but also the um, desire and, and, and drive to get there. And we are basically saying we're there to support you with everything you need to be able to get to this place, but don't think that it's something that is not obtainable. Don't, don't think it's something that's not achievable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, I think for them, it's inspiring. Um, I would like to think that for them, they're motivated. When they get there, they think to themselves, wow, actually, I can still come from Croydon or Lewisham or wherever it is that I come from and still work in Farringdon or Barbican, you know, to them, you, you take them there and they act as if you're taking them to, um, I don't know, like Germany or something or, mm. you know, like a whole area outside of England. But, you know, you're saying to them, this is just a train right away. You know, this is all accessible to you. Um, and you've got something to offer there as well, which is quite important for them to see as well. So, so it's definitely important for them to, to see people that look like them, um, because like I said before, it births aspirations, but for some of them, I think it motivates them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some, it actually just kind of pretty much takes the, the veil from their eyes and makes them realise that, oh, wait, actually, there's more to life than just what I've seen. So, so yeah. I think the, the, the quote that really sums up that clip is, um, you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. And it really, it really wraps up nicely. A lot of conversation that we've had in podcasts and in meetings and things like that about um, representation, positive role models, important mentoring, that kind of thing. You know, just as it's as it's important for children to see a wide range of people doing a wide range of things, it's also important for teachers to experience a wide range of other people doing a wide range of other things. You know, because otherwise, like I say, what happens is is your practice stagnates and you don't you don't develop you just end up and even if what you do works perfectly well you know you never know if you could be doing something differently and it could be working even better you know that kind of thing and that's what 
even looking at the other teachers in your school or going to other schools or taking virtual tours of other schools, um, you know, reading books on it, all the stuff that we've talked about is it, it all goes towards that. And, you know, if you see someone and you know, Oh, now I can be that kind or I can do that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I know, I mean, going back to things I used to go to um, teach meets, um, we used to do a lot of those. And again, that was, that was teachers from a whole sort of area coming together and just seeing what they were doing and things like that. And it's, it, you had head teachers in the room, but you had NQTs in the room and everyone was equal. Mm. Um, And I think that helps you to see what is achievable. And I think that's what Manny sort of is, is trying to sort of achieve is that, if you see someone and doing something, then you know it is achievable. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, thank you very much for listening today. Um, we hope you enjoyed us uh, going back over previous podcasts and talking about it. And uh, we hope to welcome you back to another podcast in the future. <laughs>